ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. So today, as you know, is Memorial Day. It's a day to remember our fallen troops, the ones who gave the ultimate sacrifice for their country. But what about those that do make it home? Oftentimes, a whole new battle is just beginning. A battle with PTSD, depression, anxiety, and reintegrating into society at large. That's where Battlefields to Ballfields comes in. It's a story that Pablo brought to you last fall along with our good friend Ryan McGee. And we wanted to bring it back for you today. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Monday, May 29th. This is ESPN Daily. Ready? Uh, this is Jameson interview. Take one, Mark. It was 2015. April 1st was my retirement date. Um, and it was the week before Thanksgiving when I realized that I needed help. Pablo, that's the voice of Jameson Pilgrim. He served 18 years in the Army, started off with a tour in Bosnia, ended up doing six tours between Afghanistan and Iraq. Mm. The wheels kind of fell off of life, so to speak, for me. And overdosed on pain meds, uh, muscle relaxers, and alcohol, which I hadn't known I had taken that much alcohol. I was... Dealing with um, moderate, moderate, sometimes occasional severe PTSD, anxiety, depression. Now, Jameson's story is unfortunately not uncommon. He's trying to figure out, you know, what his life is like now, what his life is like after his service, and that's a struggle for so many veterans. Cool. I joined the United States Army back in two thousand. In two thousand. March 14th, in fact, 2000. That is the voice of Hector Tarango. He's from California. He joined the Army more than 20 years ago and was stationed everywhere from Georgia to Texas to New York. And he saw multiple tours of duty in the Middle East. After my third deployment, I got injured. It took a toll on me. I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't feel them. My arms still get tingling. PTSD was off the roof. And that's I started my process to get medically retired. So after I got out in 2014, I stayed trying to find myself, where I belong, where I fit in, not knowing what to do, not understanding why I'm feeling like this or what I'm going through. And Ryan, besides their service, besides their very serious struggles after leaving the service, what else did Jameson and Hector have in common here? Why is this war story also a sports story? Well, in their search for healing, they found an anchor in a corner of the sports world that quite honestly has been struggling with a crisis of its own, sports officiating. There is a serious, serious problem across every sport, whether it's the NFL or the NBA or whether it's your local YMCA. 
which is there's a drought of sports officials. You know, you don't just automatically show up and work the NFC Championship game or work the NBA Finals. You have to start at the lowest levels. And it is such a miserable place because of low pay, because of angry parents and fans, because of, you know, altercations with coaches and athletes. Mm. People are walking away. And so someone came up with a genius idea, which is to take one problem, veterans trying to reintegrate into their post-service world and the sports world that needs people on the field who can deal with any situation and make tough decisions, and that's sports officiating. It is a truly beautiful story about how sports can uplift veterans who sacrifice so much for this country, and now they can give to the game, and the game can give back to them. This program not only gets you into officiating, it also gets you into a support system. Those veterans out there that are looking for camaraderie, looking for that teamwork environment to feel safe and stable. So I don't know if there is a more thankless job than referee. And I mean that literally, actually. Like, just think about the last time that you or anyone unsarcastically thanked an official at a game. The best case scenario is always invisibility. It's to be completely ignored. The worst case scenario is so common that sports now has a significant problem. Not enough people even want to do this. But today, we bring you the story of a solution, and it'll make you think differently about what this job actually is and the people who really would love to do it. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from $25 and under to, say, $100 and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. So, McGee, I have been meaning to talk to you about the world of officiating for a really long time because you have a personal special connection, a rare connection to all of this. Explain what that is. My father, uh, Dr. Jerry McGee, um, he worked hundreds of college football games as a sports official. He, he started off at the lowest levels like they all do, and his last game was the 2009 BCS championship game. It mm. was uh, Oklahoma and Florida. My, my new coworker Tim Tebow, 
reminds me all the time that that crew is the only crew that ever called a, a personal foul on a, a sportsmanlike conduct <laughs> against the great Tim Tebow. But yeah, so so I, that was my introduction to football. I had my first sideline credentials when I was 12 years old in North Carolina, Virginia. Huge football guy. I got run over by a linebacker. <laughs> Did you have to wear a little referee's uniform or no? You didn't have to do that. No, I wore, but I had a photographer's credential. I did have that. I had a camera that Santa Claus had brought me the previous winter, and, and I stood on the sideline. I remember looking around and thinking, everyone on this sideline today, and also those officials on the field with my father, they're all getting paid to be here. Like, this is great. Shameless plug, and my father and I wrote a book together with yes. my brother a couple years ago, Sidelines and Bloodlines, and we literally opened the book with the question. Why would anyone want to do this? And this was coming on the heels of the NFC Championship game, the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, and me learning from the officiating crew that they had to be evacuated from their hotel in the middle of the night. Third down and 10, Breeze from the gun, takes the snap, goes to the near side, oh, hit early, where's the flag? You don't get one. Early hit on Tommy Lee, shot Payne is all the way down at the 10, unbelievable no call. Wow, not a flag no, New Orleans, McGee, has still not forgiven that pass interference no call that ended up benefiting the Rams. We opened the book with the question, with that scene from the NFC Championship game, and then the question, well, why would anyone want to do this? And the answer is, they love it. My dad, my father loved it. Everyone he officiated games with, they love it. And when you talk to officials that are willing to stick it out now in a, an increasingly volatile atmosphere, you know, they do it because they love it. They're certainly not doing it to get rich. <laughs> and they're certainly not doing it for, for fame because there's their own path is only to infamy. And so uh, you have to love it and you have to want to protect the integrity of the game. And people roll their eyes when you say things like that. But that's what officiating is all about. You know, when I think about the guys who have to enforce the sanctity of the rules, which is inherently an unpopular position, I suppose, throughout human civilization. But nonetheless, the guys who have to take sports more seriously than everybody else by the letter of the law. I think of the guys I now see on television and Mike Pereira is the most famous of all of them, McGee. And he is integral to the story that we're here to tell. I mean, he's the guy who pops up on NFL broadcasts on Fox now, but his perspective on that dynamic you just described is what? Well, Mike spent 14 years as college football official. Worked several bowl games. Uh, he spent two seasons on the field as a side judge in the NFL. He spent a decade as the NFL's VP of officiating. And now, as you know, he's a television rules analyst. And by the way, wrote the second best book ever written about sports officiating. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to just say that right here. I'm not throwing a flag on that sentence. No, I yeah. appreciate that. But, but Mike feels this sense of not panic. But certainly this impending concern, this dread of, you know, where is this industry headed? People actually need to realize how serious a problem this is. There are not enough officials all around the country. The problem is the sportsmanship are, is so bad at the lower levels that people quit. Just last month, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association did a survey with almost 3,000 officials and 63% said that bad behavior of fans and coaches made it no more fun. It was no longer rewarding. 51% mm. said they weren't being paid enough. More than 
50% were over the age of 55. And those who were officiating admitted that they think frequently about quitting. But why? Why, McGee, is it worse now than it's ever been? That's easy, man. Jump on Twitter every Friday night. And jump on Twitter every Saturday night and every Sunday night. And on Sunday, it's people saying so-and-so by name. Because in the social media age, you know, all these guys' names. Yeah. And by name, I'm going to kill so-and-so because he had a pass interference against my favorite NFL team. And then on Saturday, it's, well, I know that this guy made this call against this team because I know that his nephew went to the school that they were playing that night. And then on Friday night, it's physical altercations. And it is it is shockingly easy to find. Mike Pereira recognized that, and he was constantly, as all officials are, the National Association of Sports Officials all the time, are thinking, what group of people can we tap into to help us fix the holes in this dam? And he recognized very quickly through just a coincidental visit that he might have found the right group of people. So every offseason, Mike Pereira leaves California, where he lives and where he works with Fox, and he drives up into the Pacific Northwest. In 2017, before he made his his trek up the coast, he met with a group of homeless veterans, and it broke his heart, but it also inspired him. I'm just driving there thinking about these veterans and how they weren't being taken care of, and so I'm thinking about what traits did they have to have? when they were defending us. And I thought about confidence, courage, mission, teamwork. And then I start thinking about officiating and the shortage of officials. Could I put together something that could marry the two? Could I get them involved in officiating? That question led Mike Pereira to create what we now know as battlefields to ballfields. And so how would you describe what Battlefields to Ballfields, this program, does specifically? What it does is it takes these veterans, these military servicemen and women who are struggling to reintegrate back into society, and it is offering them the opportunity to just look into the idea of becoming a sports official. What Battlefields to Ballfields does initially is it provides what it calls scholarships. Here's some money. We're going to help you buy your gear. We're going to pay for you to go to this conference. We're going to pay for you to meet with these other officials. And then that leads to working JV high school football games or, you know, JV high school basketball games or even youth league games to get you out into the action and see how you react in real time. And if you like it, and most of these folks do, then Mike Pereira and Battlefields to Ballfields will help you do what you feel like you can do to move up to the next level. It sounds like there's also a team aspect to this, McGee, which is, again, something that I don't really think of or I don't think people think of in general when they think of referees. Like, oh, there is a whole team dynamic behind the scenes, too. Yeah, and it's what I say all the time. My experience with my father and all of his officiating crews, it's a third team on the field. This is a lot of what a career military serviceman and woman, they don't, they miss this. Mm. That's the part... They miss the most. When you talk to NFL players, what do they tell you all the time? When you ask them, what do you miss? 
Yeah. They don't talk about the trophies. They don't talk about hitting somebody. No, they don't talk about touching. No. They talk about riding on the bus, right? They talk about yeah, hanging out in the, the locker, locker room. room. Exactly. And it's just like that when you have been in the military for a decade or for, in, in the case of, of, of these guys, almost 20 years, you're unmoored, right? You don't have a support system. And you know what sports is about? It's about kicking off on time. And you know what the rule book is about? <laughs> it's about making sure that every, yeah. when, my, when my father officiated football, he had two watches. You know, you got game clock on one, you got play <laughs> clock on the other. And, yes. And it was everything is structure, precision, structure. That's it. And that's what these veterans find that they're missing. And oh, by the way, uh, as Mike Pereira said, listen, if you've been getting shot at in the mountains of Afghanistan, do you really think that some high school coach yelling at you about a, a DPI is going to rattle you? Uh, no, <laughs> not a chance. So one of the guys you talked to who can testify to all of these things you're describing is the voice that we heard at the very start of this podcast, the voice of Jameson Pilgrim. How did Jameson get involved with this program? Well, Jameson is unfortunately a very familiar story for these uh, folks that have given everything they've had to military service and when he came home, he kept using the word shell-shocked. Transition from military to civilian life was a shell-shock, so to speak. Couldn't find a job. Seven, eight months of just you know, lying on the couch. I had been struggling finding work. I was either overqualified or perfect fit, but nobody would ever call me back. Overdosed on pain meds. You know, he's taking muscle relaxers. He'd never been a drinker, and now he became an alcoholic. He's just self-medicating because he doesn't know how to fill this hole that was taking over his life. It was a struggle finding, a pl finding my place, figuring out where I could fit in, what I could do to support myself as well as provide stability. So I did some research for services for veterans, and that's how I came across Mike's program, B2B. So... When he was given a chance by Battlefields to Ballfields, by Mike Pereira, to just sit down with a group and watch how the officiating team goes about its business, it was like this warmth that came over him. Suddenly that hole wasn't completely filled, but he saw the potential to fill it. We heard that officiating has made a difference in his life but it never hit me like it hit me when his fiance said, you saved his life. I said, I saved his life. She said, you saved his life. She said, I used to not want to go to work because I was afraid of what I was going to come home to. And one day she said, I came home and he had a smile on his face. He said, I think I found it. She said, you found what? And he said, battlefields to ball fields, officiating. I'm going to try this. And he did. It was being part of a team. And it was following things to the letter of the law. And it was, you know, showing grace under proverbial fire. And these were all things that he didn't realize that he was missing until he realized that he was missing it. Without B2B, I would definitely say that I would probably still be lost <laughs> as far as finding a place for myself to feel happy in what I'm doing. 
We'll be right back. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely. Drake wisely. So the other voice that we heard from another veteran at the top of this episode, McGee, is the voice of Hector Tarango. What's Hector's story here? How did he get connected to Battlefields to Ballfields? One day he receives a phone call from Mike Pereira. And he didn't know who Mike Pereira is. Unless you're really watching every single minute of every football game on Fox, you might not know who Mike Pereira is. But Mike says, listen, Hector, I got a program. I'm doing this for veterans. I'm helping get them back onto the street, into the world, and I heard you needed help. Hector was so scarred from his experiences that the first times he left the house in his car, he would slam on the brakes at the sight of a grocery bag on the side of the highway Mm. because he was so convinced and his brain was so trained to believe, you know, that was an an improvised explosive device. After a divorce, several redeployments, Hector had lost touch with his oldest son, Joey. It had been almost five years. I hadn't seen my son in five years. I came back from Afghanistan. I haven't seen him. I didn't know where he was at. No one told me nothing. I called nothing. We talked to Joey, who has, by the way, is now enlisted, and how in 2015 they reconnected, but their relationship really needed a lot of work. I mean, I really despise my dad. I feel like he never took time to see me, but I, our relationship wasn't great. But then Mike Pereira said something to Hector that connected with him immediately. And he said, I heard your son plays football. He goes, I got this program. I'm doing this for vets. Help them get back out in the street. You know, I heard you needed the help. I said, I don't need no help. If you want to help me, help me see my son. He goes, I can't guarantee that, but I, you know, heard your son plays football. Maybe this can help you. Hector's like, okay, I'll at least give it a chance.
And so this idea that Hector is going to connect with his son and, and rejoin his family, essentially, through refereeing, how, how did that play out? Well, it's, it's funny because you know how it is, Pablo. You do interviews with people, and there are these moments where you end up feeling a connection you didn't expect to feel. Yes. And I certainly have not experienced what Hector has, and I've certainly not experienced what Joey has. But I tell you this, I've experienced standing on the sideline and talking to my father live during a football game. <laughs> and I've experienced, you know, being on the field with him between the lines and being in the locker room with him. And, you know, one of the two of us is in uniform. And there's just a connection there. I mean, it's the classic connections why we love sports. Hector wasn't just officiating games. There were a couple of times where he was officiating games when his son was on the field. They weren't living together. They had lost touch for years, and now here they were between the lines, and you know both say they just couldn't stop smiling. It was a good time. He would just nudge me on the field, and I was like, all right, yes, yeah, my dad. And at times, he would throw a flag on me. I'm like, okay, throw a flag. That's my pops. It was, uh, it was good just seeing him. Never in a million years did I think, you know, Mike Pereira would come talk to me about refing or inspire me and help me. I I'm very, very blessed because my son did come live with me. And the other part of this story, the other huge part besides the family dynamics aspect is the mental health part. The stuff that you already touched on, McGee, the private battles that all of these soldiers continue to fight after leaving war. How has being a ref impacted that aspect of Hector? What Joey has told us is that it has helped his father's health dramatically. Since he joined Battle to Ballfield, I mean, it's helped. It's helped big time. He's out more. PTSD has slowed down big time. He's hanging out with other vets. That's a big one. They can they can relate to what he's gone through. He can go into the community and do what he loves, and that's I that's refing. It has filled a hole that he didn't truly understand until now. He's part of a team. There's a chain of command. The mission is to work a football game. And then there is the meeting after the mission to say, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? There's a sense of belonging. And what Jameson will tell you and what Hector will tell you and what other participants of B2B have told me is it's not even just about being out there on a Friday night, Thursday night, you know, Saturday afternoon, whatever, it's about the numbers in your telephone. And it's the ability to tap into this community of sports officials and just knowing you have someone to call. It's the biggest thing they're missing is who do I talk to? Who do I call? There's no one who understands what I'm going through. And through this, not only are they connecting with fellow veterans, they're connecting with people who believe in the things they believe in. And that is a victory that is immeasurable. And so at the end here, McGee, as somebody who has himself a unique love and appreciation for the business, for the family business of officiating, as you've had for your whole life, what's it been like to report this, to hear these stories, to see a program bloom that seems to fit two populations together that 
had their own kinship from afar. You know, I'm of that age where, unfortunately, I have a lot of friends who found themselves thrust into unfathomable situations in the military because we've been in constant war for two decades now. Also have friends, my father, men who I consider to be my uncles, who I have seen every Saturday afternoon step out on that football field just because they love it so much. And listen, I'm not an idiot. I know people are always going to boo officials. I know they're always going to think they're dummies. Yep. I get all that. They have to be there. They have to be there. If they're not there, guess what, folks? You can't play the games. And that's a simple fact. And then anything that will help these people, these men and women, who have literally given everything in the name of this country, what means more to this country than sports? Nothing. And so to take those veterans and to take those sports and to put them together for a potential solution for two problems, for two groups of people that mean so much to me and should mean so much to everyone, how can you not support that? You have to. Ryan McGee, thank you for reminding us of the human element on ESPN Daily. Thank you, sir. For more on Battlefields to Ballfields, you can check out Ryan McGee's story on ESPN.com. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.